And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a special Angel City edition of Full Time. I'm Steph Young. I spoke with Angel City director Arlene Nelson about how she spent a year plus filming the team, the ways she wanted to bring viewers into the experience, and what she hopes we might get out of a possible season two. I'm here with Arlene Nelson, who's the director of the Angel City documentary on HBO, also quite an accomplished cinematographer. Arlene, thanks for hopping on the line with us. Thanks for having me. It's really exciting. I just wanted to ask, were you a soccer fan before this series? I, of course, have heard of the women's national team. I, of course, watched World Cups. Uh, but in terms of, you know, following the NWSL or being a diehard soccer fan, I am now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean... I kind of wanted to ask a little bit as well about the more technical side, which was how many crews did you have running at any one time? Because I know with the documentary, people see an iceberg, right? You see like a little 1% up here and then a 99% below. So what was that like? Well, from my background of shooting large scale events and also small intimate scenes, um, it, we ran the gamut of some some of our scenes were covered with single camera. Sometimes it was just me and a sound person. But other times, uh, when especially when it came to the games, we would scale up. Uh, sometimes we had like between six to eight camera crews. And especially for the home opener. That we wanted to make sure that we captured inside the locker room. We covered the supporters, we covered uh, the gameplay, and we made sure that we had uh, camera, two camera teams that were sport specific cinematographers. Because we really, really wanted to make sure that the audience felt immersed in the game because it is, it's incredible how that just the sweat and the audio and you know we just wanted to feel so immersive and if we could have put cameras on the players we would have done that too mm -hmm. with sports specific cinematographers this is actually something i'm interested in what are the things you recommend when you're filming i guess at least in this style with soccer where it's like it kind of gets across the action and the movement to fans without seeming like like stuck in one place where you're like looking down at a field, you know, with 22 people, for example. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Green Street Hooligans, um, the classic like Lexi Alexander, Elijah Wood, you know, soccer hooligans fan uh, film, but like they, um, the filming of the, the sports in that movie has like a very certain look to it. And I've always noticed it ever since then that some people film soccer better than others. <laughs> um, so I'm just wondering, you know, when you talk about a sports specific you know, crew, 
what exactly does that entail? What are they looking for? Well, you know, they're they're looking to bring you in, right? So we use incredibly long lenses. Um, I think that we had the 50 to 2000. Um, and the, so that's, that's one of the things, right? You, you want to be brought in and sort of have that background sort of disappear and just bring you into the faces, into the, just the bodies <laughs> hitting against each other, the, the feet running on the, you just want it to feel visceral, right? So um, also our, um, the, the camera team, they would be down on the pitch and, you know, looking slightly up. So cameras were on high hats so that we really get that low angle, um, you know, sort of giving you that immense, like, feeling of the frame being filled with these incredible elite athletes. So that's, that's all part of it. It's the lenses, it's the camera placement, as you said, mm-hmm. I love to shoot slow motion. Um, but at the same time, you don't want it to be too slow, too stylized. Cause it, you know, you need to also feel that like palpable excitement. Sometimes mm-hmm. we played with shutter speed. So uh, frame rate sort of, through all those kind of stylistic elements at it. I would have loved to have done the zip line cameras too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually a good segue into my next question, which was obviously filming for a documentary is different from filming a live sports production, like for broadcast or broadcasting a game. But I think a big topic of conversation right now is improving the production value around presenting women's soccer. It's, it's a, something that's been growing, but still room for a lot more growth. And for you as professional, particularly with a cinematography background, I'm just wondering when you were looking at this, maybe you were watching a game or something that looks like it's been filmed with a cell phone from 2007, you know, (laughs) your professional opinion, what are some of the next steps that you see that this league can take on a technical level when they're engaging a production company, you know, because you can't sell a product that looks like it was filmed with a potato. You need it. You need it to look beautiful, like this documentary. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that they, it's the broadcast cameras. They need to be upgraded for sure. Needs to be at least four K, six K. You know, cameras, um, better lenses. They they have the. I mean, the camera operators are amazing. They're incredible at what they do. They just need better gear. And the um, just the 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 quality also of how they send it over, you know, the airwaves also needs to improve. Not sure what they're doing there. Um, just you know, trying to catch the away game from. I don't, I don't want to be disparaging, but you know, <laughs> it, was, it was a little rough. Like the yeah. the game would shift from looking like it was. 1080 then down to like HD and back up again. Like it kind of, you know, and I, it is getting better. And like I said, I don't want to be disparaging, but there, there could be like a whole overhaul. And I I think that they're working towards that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, For the documentary itself. That is, that is absolutely something that is really near and dear to, you know, Angel City, to Natalie Portman, Mm -hmm. Kara 
Nortman, Julie Ehrman, they're, they're definitely fighting for, you know, bringing those mm-hmm. standards up. And that is something that is really important because that's, that's one of those situations where all, all boats rise, right? If you can up the quality, then, you know, you, you engage the fans in a, in a much greater, deeper way so that Absolutely. it's not yeah. just the diehards that are like, yeah. I'll tune in and watch snow if it, you know, Right. Just because well, they, they are so ingrained. That is also, once again, a great lead into the next question, which is obviously we're kind of in the drive to survive the School of Hard Knocks era where we're seeing that, you know, creating stories and narrative can really drive a lot of fan growth. And I'm assuming that that was part of this project. And for you, you know, especially, you know, on, on the production side, I'm just wondering you know, what was the discussion there around, you know, how we're going to turn this, because it's not just, you know, any documentary, I guess, has its hopes, but especially in this, sometimes it feels like there's a responsibility almost, like if you, if this goes well, it could have a real knock-on effect for like the next generation of female athletes, that sort of thing. So just for you, I'm just wondering, was there any discussion with Angel City or with your crew around like, okay, there's, there's, you know, a bigger world out there that this documentary could reach? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the production team that, um, part of the production team that brought this is, you know, Little Monster, who did Free Solo, and Chai Verselli, and uh, Jimmy Chin, they're, they're all about, like, visceral gorgeous cinematography, as well as, of course, compelling storytelling. So, you know, but they they go hand in hand, right? And so, so important to them. And that was, you know, absolutely some of the early conversations that I had with Chai about, you know, we really need to immerse the viewer and, and make them feel a part of it. And so, you know, how do you do that? And just... That's, you know, on a technical level, it's one thing to have the gear, but then you also, you know, you need to be building that trust and and you need to be able to get the cameras in on the buses, in the locker room, you know, um, so that you do have that like immediacy and, um, but all the while making sure that it's just, mm, you can taste it, you know, it's gotta be so gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about building the story. It's only three episodes. Like, honestly, it could have been twice as long. Um, it's you. a whole season. <laughs> right. Yes. Sir. And so thank you. When, when you're talking about, you know, what do we include? What stories do we tell? How much time do we vote? How do you make a decision what to show when you only have three? I assume it was the, a three episode order from on the HBO side. So you're like, we got to We got to make it work for the season. Is that correct? Yeah, um, that is correct. Um, yeah. You know, um, I think that that is one of the biggest challenges that we had. And that at the end of the day, what we needed to do was to have a logic where the stories that we did end up telling needed to also connect up to the um, the immediacy of what was going on. And, uh, you know, we, we, we interviewed players and got in depth with all the players that participated are, are in the series. Would I have loved to have had 
even more of their backstory and even more of who they are in there. Absolutely. And we could have done 10 episodes. Uh, we had 90 plus hours. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we just had to be disciplined and make those really tough decisions. But everything at the end of the day just needed to connect up to the story that was going on before us. And, mm -hmm. you know, there is, I mean, sports stories are so exciting because not only do, do you have this sort of, you know, the uh, unknown of competition, the victory, defeat, you know, uh, so you have like that, exciting drama, compelling drama, but, you know, then you, what, what makes sports stories so unique is that they're, they're also just such great platforms to, you know, take you into other aspects of society and culture. And, you know, so that's, what's really, that, that drove me to this story. And that was what was so fascinating to me was how many jumping off points there were. Is there anything that I know how that feels where you have to make the cut and you're like, oh, my story. But was there anything that you that was like a really hard cut for you that comes to mind? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not just one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I love I, I loved hearing all the backstories of the players. Right. Like where they came from, what motivates them, what what drives them to be a part of something that, especially early on, especially the OGs, you know, that have been in and for 10 years and, and longer, you know, what keeps them coming back? And it's their love and their passion for what they do and, and, and just being grateful to be able to play. But it, you know, it, it goes beyond that because it, it's gotta be more than just like, I'm grateful that I just get to play because, because at the end of the day, you still need to survive. And I think that, you know, every, every year it does feel like things are changing and then you have these like sort of watershed events, but then even in 2020, it felt like the league was so fragile. Um, but then now it feels like it's coming back with a vengeance and it's just, it feels very exciting. And I think all of those things like compel the players to like stay in it and they, our understanding of like where things are at right now. But I do think that it does feel like things are shifting and it's more about, Hey, it's more about the now and not just sort of like where we're doing this for the future. You know, it's, it's more about, no, we're building this right now, like get on board with it right now. There feels like there's more of an urgency, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that this didn't really answer your question. <laughs> I mean, Specifically. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. Like I, I like hearing people, if they diverge a little, it's clearly where they wanted to go. So, you know, I like hearing people's thoughts. Um, this is not your first documentary, obviously. Um, so this is probably a very like film school docs 101 kind of question, but like, especially with Angel City, because I talked to the players, they're so likable, they're so charismatic, you get the backstories, you start to feel for them. You know, some of them come from like tough backgrounds, or they fought so hard. Is it hard not to form like a personal relationship when you're seeing these people, they, they're doing so much, you're witnessing a lot of personal information, you're trying to get them to feel comfortable to open up to you when they're talking. And at the same time, you are there to like, film everything as kind of an observer, maybe at a remove a little bit. Was that any kind of, you know, discussion with you? You know, it, 
Christine O'Malley, my executive producer, and I, we definitely processed through a lot. And we felt like we were constantly having strategy sessions of how much to push for, you know, one particular story thread or how much to back away. And just like, what is our duty to the story ultimately always came down to that. And, you know, especially with the tough moments, you know, um, you want to like be protective uh, as well of, you know, what the person before you is going through. And ultimately, I think if you just kind of keep your eye on like the bigger picture, you you kind of can get over that. Um, because, you know, I think at the end of the day, it is, it's, it is an important story worth telling this sort of, you know, building something from the ground up and you're going to see warts and all. And, you know, not everyone wants to show their warts <laughs> and, you know, others are more okay with it. And so it's sort of this delicate dance that you're constantly doing. Mm -hmm. you, you touched on it a bit, but I'm just wondering, it does sound a little bit like the Angel City I've experienced this myself. You go in, you get the atmosphere, you talk to the players and you start to like buy into it. You're like, wow, this is amazing. They have a vision. Like they, they're really doing something special out here, that sort of thing. It's very razzle dazzle, um, intentionally so, as Julie says very several times in the documentary. So I'm just wondering in that sense, you know, it sounds like, yeah, you're like really on, you vibed with the mission that you you filmed. What do you hope comes out of this documentary for, I guess, women's sports in the United States? And like, do you think maybe it needs a season two for exploring a little bit more of that? Yes, season two. Absolutely, Steph. I, Christine and I, the production companies, um, we are all for a season two, another team. I mean, there are so many stories, exciting stories, more inaugural teams come, you know, coming in, more expansion teams coming in. Um, and then the, the, the teams that have been here the longest and teams that have gone through major transformations. I mean, there are so many stories that we would love to tell. We would love to continue and make it into a, a, a larger series. Um, I think that the, there's so much value there and there's so many more stories to tell, more episodes. I mean, these are the kinds of things, if you get these stories out there, then you start to really, people can hook into those stories just like they do with male sports. And, you know, and then all of a sudden you, you're vested in it, right? And so... Um, like I'm a Dodgers fan and I happen to know that Mookie Betts, he also is a professional bowler. Like, you know, the, it's these details, right. That once you start to get to know, like, just like how Alyssa Thompson goes to school and then goes to, you know, and then goes to a game. I mean, it's these, these stories that are so compelling, you know, Sydney LaRue is a mom, like of two incredible kids, you know, these, these sort of like things that you can connect to, like, and that, that you can get fans to connect to. And, you know, the more narratives you have out there, I know, you know, you know, that Meg Linehan knows that, um, 
grateful to have her um, in it and to have her wisdom. Um, you know, the the more those stories are out there, the more interest there's going to be. And then you just keep building on that. And so, yeah, we would we would love to do more. Real quick, before we start wrapping up, how was it filming Meg, Jarell Diva over there, right? Like, <laughs> so the talent's so difficult that you had a writer, the the typical, like, no green M&Ms. <laughs> Chai latte. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she, what I really appreciate about Meg is that she has this ability to see the big picture and also the fine details and you know, what What The Athletic is doing, what she's doing, her reporting, those stories, so grateful to have had her participate. Um, and it was just uh, just enlightening. I The interview was supposed to be like two hours. I think we went four. She was so kind. <laughs> but she. it was so hard not, like, she's just mm-hmm. a machine. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a uh, big picture and like small picture, like the macro and the micro, which is exactly where I wanted to start wrapping up, which is, I think sometimes Meg and I and other people in this space, well, anyone who's deeply immersed in a space, you sometimes do get that forest for the trees syndrome. And I'm just interested in someone who spent a year plus, probably longer, right? Observing all this coming to it, maybe with fresh eyes, uh, a one time, like used to be in a, an outside observer perspective. When you were watching this, was there anything that caught your attention where you're like, oh, this is a thread that I think I need to tug on, especially someone who's been a documentarian and is used to like seeing something and being like, oh, maybe we need to like chase that or maybe this is something we need to track down. Is there something that you were like, oh, I think this story might be really important to tell. That's not something that's under our remit at the time or that we can't cram it into three episodes. But if we get the chance, I think this is something that is really worthwhile to pursue. Oh, Steph, that's a good I one. I know. It's <laughs> a big one to end on. You always got to leave them wanting more in show business. So, Oh, where to go with that one? What was the thread that I, is it the thread that I wanted to unravel that, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. There was this sort of, um, it's the Angel City story, right? And at the same time, it's Angel City's, place in the in Angel City's place in this story you have to also look at you know the league and you have to look at women's soccer and so like these rings just keep getting bigger and bigger and but at the core it's an Angel City inaugural year origin story but then you also need the context of where this tree is in the forest. It's not just a lone tree, right? So as you get these broader rings, you start to see that, you know, there are players that came from other teams where, you know, there was abuse going on and, and you see that, you know, you don't want to make that about the story because, you know, there's those stories are out there and people can go deep on that, but it is part of the fabric, right? It is part of the forest that they're in. And so, um, you know, those were like challenging moments to bring in the sort of 
macro in into the um you know into the series in a way that made sense and had a logic to it um and didn't just feel gratuitous or why are we going there but like you know there were all things that were going on in the league at the at that time and i mean 2022 was such an extraordinary year right because you not only had the first collective bargaining agreement with the NWSL which is extremely extremely positive um then you had like all of the allegations of abuse sort of like coming out in the and the Sally Yates report and so uh and then you have the very very exciting you know US Soccer Federation news of equal pay being granted in 2027 um i wish it was this year but we'll take 2027 still a very positive story great like needing to, you know, also just like expand the story, but yet make sure that at the core that it's still about Angel City. Mm-hmm. Hey, I would love it if you guys went and chased U.S. soccer for the next five, four years or, or FIFA or something. That's I'm, I think a lot of fans would be very interested in like a deep like, hey, what are you guys doing in there? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Is there anything else that, you know, that came out of this project that you'd love for people to know or that you hope that they use to frame how they watch the documentary? I think one of the funnest parts of this series now that it's out there and we've finished it and, you know, sort of putting that ship out there is when people watch it and they say, whoa, I am... I'm going to get season tickets. I've become an Angel City fan. Like, um, is is just that my daughter now is like calling me up, like, how can I watch the World Cup? Like, <laughs> and you know, I just I it's it's that kind of you know that kind of feedback is just like it, it's it's just so thrilling to me because you know to to be able to have people that haven't even watched soccer like want to to like get in there and watch more and understand it better that's that's really thrilling all right well Arlene thanks so much for your time I honestly wish we could talk for like another four hours like with Meg because (laughs) I just think it's really fascinating where the landscape is headed now with these like high production value really beautiful things that we just haven't had before. We've literally never had this before. And it's, it feels like it's all happened. I'm like, oh my God, it's, this is in 4K. <laughs> like yeah. the sound doesn't sound like it's being like piped through, you know, three different speakers. So yeah. Um, yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank yeah, you so shout much. Out Appreciate your time. Yeah. My, my sound recordists as well in the stadium. That sound. was really, yes. So yeah, important. people don't realize how important sound is. I got a tip, like, if you think sound is unimportant, turn off the sound on a horror movie and see how scary it is then. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, you're right. <laughs> anyway, all right. Thank you again for your time. Um, season two? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. And okay. hey, the more we get these stories out there and the more people that watch, you know, I think the networks will be, you know, sitting up, leaning in. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you so much, Steph.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.